Um, check one, two, check one, two. Mommy on the Rocks. Casey Chops. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at MIA on the Rocks. Follow us on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Today's guest, I have a very highly successful entrepreneur in the building, entrepreneur in the building, Yosef Martin. How are you, sir? What's up, brother? Good to see you, brother. Good. Um, so for the people that don't know, let's just lay the foundation on on, on who you are. Um, shout out to Lena. I DJed a, a party that she had, and it was at your house, and it was a beautiful place on, in Los Olas on the water. Um, I think it's safe to say it's a mansion. Um, and so I was asking her, I'm like, oh, wow, like who owns this house? And she was t telling me about you. And, you know, she does makeup. My sister does makeup as well. And you have... Boxy Charm, can you talk about what you did with makeup? You basically put together a subscription-based uh, makeup kit that comes with five items, I believe, and then that got so popular and you sold it for... 500 million. Fi <laughs> 500 million? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, I didn't. I didn't. I only want to do. I only wanted to do minimal research on you because yeah. I wanted you to kind of like right, tell cool, the people, yeah. you know, and I wanted to kind of learn as we were going. So, can you talk about? Um, Okay, so you sold and flipped a boxy charm, correct? Yeah. For five hundred million dollars. Um, let's go to your origins. Where exactly are you from? I'm from Israel. Israel. Yeah. Okay, and you grew up in Israel. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, I I've been living here for twenty years, uh, roughly okay. twenty years, uh, and uh, I finished military uh, service. Mm -hmm. I stayed a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. It's a mandatory thing; everyone has to serve. Right. Uh, when I finished, I stayed two more years. I think I came here when I was twenty-three. Mm -hmm. And now, 21 years later, I'm here. Wow, bro. Uh, so what were you doing when, when you came over here? Like you were 23 years old. Yeah. Um, what was... So I came, I went to the FIU. I, I, I studied. I was international student. Actually, I wasn't. I was on a student status. Mm -hmm. I came as a tourist. I came a couple of days after 9-11. So I came as a tourist, but I changed my status to a student. Mm -hmm. And uh, my entire purpose over there over was I, I didn't really care what I'm going to study. I just want to stay here and get a bachelor and whatever mm -hmm. so I can be legal and eventually get papers through the bachelor that I'm studying for. Um, and that's how I opened my first company. And then through that company, I opened Boxycharm years later. Wow. So what made you want to get into makeup, bro? Like what took you down so, that direction? It started with, okay, so first I had, uh, when I started my first company, I started with $375 mm -hmm. so I can pay the out-of-state tuition. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when you're an international student, you don't really get any scholarships, nothing, no financial aids. You got to pay. And that's mm -hmm. fair because, you know what, it's, it's, it's supposed to be like that. Mm -hmm. And that was the best thing that happened to me because it pushes you to be the best version of yourself. Right. Instead of searching for a job, I had one way to actually produce money. You can create a business and mm -hmm. you can draw. You cannot take a salary because it's illegal for you to work, but you can wow. draw, which means the tax implications are higher than actually getting salary and you don't get any health benefits unless you overpay and all that good stuff. But mm -hmm. it was the best thing that happened because that's when I opened my first company with a couple hundred bucks called Merchandise Liquidators. Right, and that company, I was selling excess inventory from Macy's, Bloomingdale's, Sears. You were how old? JC Penny, twenty-four, five at 24, that time. Twenty-four, twenty-five. So the idea of your first company is you're gonna sell excess clothes from these stores. Yeah, so I'm getting the lists. I was getting the lists from the federated stores, which 
is Macy's, Bloomingdale's, and so on, from mm-hmm. Walmart, from CVS, all those, right? You get all those lists. I, I would get the list and I would put it on a nice presentable website with a much better explanation. Mm-hmm. And I would say, we have a truckload of XYZ, and I would receive the money, then go and buy it. Because mm-hmm. I didn't have money to buy anything. I didn't even have a location. I was doing it for my one-bedroom apartment. Right. And I started flipping deals for 20000 here, 20000 there. And each time you make the spread. Mm-hmm. Not, not all deals were in that price range, but that's what allowed me to pay the out-of-state tuition so I can get out of the life of eating rice and ketchup. Right. Right? And, uh, and all that. So that was my first part into it eventually i got to a point where i had some more cash and i said okay what do i buy that i know i'm always gonna sell and i can so i can technically buy now i have a little bit of money mm-hmm. um from saving mm-hmm. and if i had to kind of like grow my business can i buy something that i know i can worry about selling it later and not flipping it and I, I started doing that, and I got my first warehouse, which was actually a storage, but I used to call it a warehouse, and mm-hmm. little by little you grow. But really, the, the spike and the, the growth for that business was when I graduated. When I got my degree, I had one year, and they call it OPT, where you're allowed to work or search for a job, or whatever, you, you're allowed to stay here. And at that time, I um, also met uh, my wife, now my ex, but um, she was... Um, she was with me, and uh, we ended up getting married. But the entire purpose was that I'll be starting business so I can hire myself in my own business. Mm-hmm. But then that didn't happen because everything changed, rules changed. Now I wasn't able to do it, and I was either going back to school or going back to Israel. So I didn't want to do that, and I ended up building. Uh, I, I, got, I got married, thank God. Mm-hmm. But through that business, I found that makeup is the shit. There's so much fucking money in makeup. Mm-hmm. What I understood is that women are... They're wired different than the male consumers. 100%. You and I, if you want to go, it starts with clothing. When I looked at clothing, I asked myself, why is it that Macy's have so much excess inventory and or customer return for women, but barely for men? And when you buy the customer return from Macy's, the clothing for women versus the, women, the men, first of all, the men is in a much better condition. But there's barely anything. Women, they have endless. But you get a dump about a third of it. Like I'm talking take it wow. and throw it to and the reason is, at least back then you had 180 days to return your item. Mm-hmm. So when I called them and I said, guys, why am I not getting more listing for men's clothes? And they told me, Joe, because there's not a lot. Have you walked into Macy's? The men's department is by far smaller because women, they're like, look, a man walks in, the the shopping behavior for men is you walk in, you want to buy a belt, you go and you, you buy a belt. And you leave, yeah. And you leave. A woman walks in without any idea to buy anything, but she lives with five items that she didn't even want. I heard, I forgot the stat, but I think they said women are like 80% of the consumer base and in the United every, States. It's, it's, and then it's it, within a family, the women will spend or, or will control 90% of that family's cash flow of where it's going to go. They're also very detail-oriented. You and I can never see so many colors like a, a woman can. Yeah. If you go and you see... Um, a blue, she's going to say, no, that's not the blue. This is something. She would give right. it another 16 different names for blue, right? Right. So they're so specific about everything. And then when I, when I noticed that, by the way, about, about returning stuff, that's mm-hmm. actually the funniest part. Would they explain to me, uh, Macy's, I said, why, why is the garbage when I see all the women's clothes compared to the men? It's so clean. I said, well, because, you know, women will buy the clothes today. Mm-hmm. They're going to work for two months. And two months later, they're going to feel they're not pretty. They hate everybody. They're going to go and return. 
Man, he comes, try it on. If it's not the right size because he was too lazy to try in the store, he's going to go and return it. So it's like a perfect condition. Yeah, so a different so, behavior. So, oh, damn, is that, is that a fact that women return more than men? Is that? Look, I can tell you um, that because they also buy so much more, by far more returns. Um, but women would go through that. Like they, they know they buy so much, so they'll return. They, they return a lot. Right. Um, I don't have actual data. This is right, the right, conversation. Right, right. Just... But from buying truckloads and truckloads of inventory, right. it's just two different consumers. For sure. It's just two different consumers. The, um, the, the thing for me when it comes down to makeup, when, mm -hmm. what I had over there was that I, I started selling makeup by mistake. Mm -hmm. uh, when I had the liquidation and I got an, I got a pallet. So when you get the merchandise, you get it in pallets. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like a wooden skid with either a big Gaylor box or multiple boxes that compose a, a, a pallet that can be say two feet high, six feet high, whatever. And I used to sell some pallets that are about six feet high with some shampoos and people like those. And it used to sell in the flea market and I used to double my money, buy it for 750, sell it for 1500. People were waiting for it. And every time I could get some, I would, I would, uh, I would buy them and flip them. One day, the same eyeshadow palette comes in, but instead of being six feet, the eyeshadow palette, I'm sorry, the, the skid, mm -hmm. the, the palette comes in. Instead of six feet, it was three feet, two and a half feet. Wow. So I, when I opened this, instead of having shampoos, what I saw was actual makeup. It was uh, lipsticks and stuff like that. And I thought it was garbage. I said, well, what is this? I'm going to lose money on it. Maybe I can sell it for 200 bucks or something. And I had one uh, employee at the time. Her name was Angela. And she said, what are you talking about? This is better. Like, How is it better? Look, it's a bunch of, what is this? It's like stuff, small stuff. She said, yeah, but that, that's better. We can sell it each piece for a dollar and we can make more money. Like a dollar, who's going to pay for it a dollar? She's like, do you know what it costs in a store? I said, no, but it looks like five cents. She's like, no, this is like, this is like five, ten dollars. I said, it's impossible. Look, a shampoo is this big mm -hmm. and it's two dollars and the lipstick is this big. So it needs to be like five cents. Yeah. She's like, you don't know anything about it. It's like, I don't. It's mm -hmm. like, well, and you see here, here's the sticker prices. We sold everything for a dollar. There were 10,000 uh, units in it. We made $10,000 yeah. in a second. Wow. That's when I changed. And then I understood all my competitors were all guys. They didn't know any better than me. I didn't know better than them until it hit me. I have no competition in makeup. Right. Because and boom, that's how I got into it. So I was all about the makeup. My liquidation business transformed and it was growing from a million to two million to five million to ten million year over year because of the makeup. Wow. And that's when I own I, I bought a bunch of domains like wholesalecosmetics.com. So if you search for makeup, you would find one of my sites. All road, all roads leads to Joe. Right. Right. So finally, I got uh, I got a call in 2012 that they were looking for makeup for a subscription box. And when I heard about the concept, I looked at this and I said, oh, how are they doing it? They're looking for free stuff from brands. And when they can. When, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when did you sell this? When, when did you make this idea? So BoxyChum um, had a soft launch in 2013, but uh, full launch in January 2014. And we sold it uh, in uh, we signed the papers on November 2020. We get the wire into our bank account in uh, December 2020. Wow. Because I feel like you were ahead of the game as far as like subscription-based businesses go. Be no? It was absolutely not. It, see, it, see, it seems like maybe five years is when everything became subscription-based. Everything. Like yeah. 
you know, if you want Coca-Cola, they're going to try to sell you. They're mm. going to take your credit card information. They're going to want to scan it once a month and ship you Coca-Cola. You know, like, it seemed yeah. like things got very subscription-based, like, in the last five years. But Yeah, no, that that's true. Uh, in, okay, so I, I see what we... Okay, so 2014, 2015 were the years of the subscription. Everyone and their mama were trying to come up with subscription. and But when you look at what... When you give that example, um, if you look at uh, Adobe... Back then, you were buying Adobe as a software. One time, you paid. Now I got to pay twenty dollars a month. Pay, okay, why? Yeah. Because they want to keep the relationship with the consumer, and they can upsell you. And there's a lot more that they can do by actually letting you buy it little by little. Instead of you paying three hundred bucks and that's it, we never hear from you. They rather spread it out, mm. and every time you offer know, to use it, when there is a ver- new new version, you have to go and upgrade. You but update they, it, you don't have to buy it. the new version. Exactly. And there is no physical anything. There is no, because the actual 300 that was going through different vendors and the cat was, mm-hmm. uh, but, um, but in our case, the monthly beauty subscription box started in 2010. Mm-hmm. I really launched it in 2014. I was not the first one, but the gap, there was still the same gap. No one changed anything from 2010. All the other companies that came in to compete in the space, none of them truly changed the concept that started in 2010. They did the same exact thing, mm-hmm. which was we're asking a brand to give us free samples mm-hmm. so we can give it to highly engaged consumers, and eventually they're going to get to know their products and go back and buy it. Mm-hmm. The way I did this was, no, I'm going to find the economics where I can buy from the brands. I will pay them the manufacturing cost for their products, and we're going to ask for full size. Mm-hmm. This way, because I can pay, I can be selective over what items am I getting. Mm-hmm. And the brand doesn't have to accord any cost. Now I'm giving you for free the ability to let highly engaged consumer try your product. It costs you absolutely nothing. But why is it important to do it full size and not sample size? Because first of all, it's a product development. Not every SKU brand has a sample size for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not asking you to go and create one. Second, there's much more perceived value for the consumer mm-hmm. and you can get a full experience out of the product and can truly fall in love. We're able to transform companies. Companies that were playing with Boxycharm in the beginning when we had even 100,000 members, mm-hmm. we ended up having over a million. There would a million subscribers. More, we, 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 every month. But at the end, people would come and say, listen, we blew up in Sephora because of you. This is so because people truly f- uh, like their product. So now their gondola in Sephora is a destination. Mm-hmm. And and that was really making the so we really transformed we really changed the name of the game even though we came four four years later or three years after the whole concept started so it was wow. not the first one but it was there was an angle to fix it there was a a gap that we needed to bridge and we did do it and mm-hmm. the crazy part for me I mean look Sephora was trying to launch they launched a, a box Macy's launched a box they all failed. There was only a few of us that, that made it, Ipsy, Boxy, Charm, and other companies. So only a few. And it was a tough business mm-hmm. because you have to be a logistic company. Mm-hmm. You know, building a million boxes within a matter of 10, 10, day, 10 to 14 days. That's crazy. Where were they getting manufactured at? So you work with the brands, right? Mac, all, all the brands you can imagine. Right. Where you walk into Safari, you see all those brands and many others. They send you the products. You have to assemble them. And then you need to have, using your information, giving the right consumer at the right time the right boxes. Right. So you have to work. With these being assembled where? 
in Florida? Uh, well, no, it was outside of Florida. Mm -hmm. um, we had that uh, built uh, in, in a different state, but um, it, it's, it's a mission, right? You have to have hundreds of, of people coming in, assembling all the boxes, mm -hmm. putting it. So in one hand, it's a logistic company. On the other hand, it's a technology company. And on the other hand, it's a marketing company. Right. It's marketing for the brand. We would send boxes to 2,000 influencers every month, including Kylie Jenner. Right. Right, and they would all open it up and talk about this, and we had to strategize that. Like lots of lots of marketing strategies. I can talk about this all day long. Mm -hmm. So we had all that. Plus, we had to understand makeup, mm -hmm. beauty, uh, skincare. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't an easy business to understand. Uh, that's why many people tried to get into it, but only few came out strong from the other side. When you first started, it, what were the items in like in the box that you first? Oh well. Uh, you probably are like a makeup connoisseur now, right? <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, I know everything. I mean, I can tell you I've done this so long and I was really into the products mm -hmm. by myself. I had to fly to labs all over the world. I had to go and talk to brands. I mean, fly, meet with them, dinners, everything. Mm -hmm. um, so at first we had a, almost no pool of brands that want to work with us because we had to explain to them what is a subscription right. box and why would they give it to us and how... And then uh, at first they would rip us with, with pricing, some of them at least. We didn't know what, what does it cost to make, say, a lipstick. Oh, $2.50. Then you find out it's no more than 60 cents. Years later, which is much right, expensive. Right. <laughs> like, like, okay, yeah. you made some money over here. But uh, yeah, you grow, you, you learn, and it's, mm -hmm. it's important. But, uh, but the, the experience was amazing. Right. And you, so this was like, you said you sold it in 2020. This is like a 10-year ten year tenure? Well, we had... About seven years business. Seven years. Yeah. Wow, man, that's crazy. So what? So when you sell it, what is? Did you have a partner in this, or were you kind of doing this? So in 2016, I brought in amazing partners, uh, Car Private Investment Group, mm -hmm. um, and um, you know you kind of like think about investors kind of like as uh, numbers people that no, that they were amazing. They, mm -hmm. they are friends. Uh, we're still friends, very close friends. Um, and I can say that BoxyCharm at the end was close to 500 million in sales mm -hmm. every year. And uh, you don't wake up one day and figuring out how to manage so many people and how to Yeah, to scale that, like I can imagine. Way. I needed them as partners to kind of like give you a kind of like uh, from their experience when they work with companies. Like, look, this is what we've seen mm -hmm. when a company get to 50 million because Mm. Five, $5 million is not a $50 million business, and it's not going to be $100 million, and it's not going to be $500 million. So that, there's going to be an evolution that, uh, that has to happen in the company. But what I learned is that it has to happen within yourself, right, within me. Mm -hmm. I'm no longer the same person that I was when we were a smaller business. And, um, and the thing is, you do need some Can you explain guidance. that a little bit more? What do you mean, like... like you transform. Well, right. What you've seen, your perspective is different. Mm-hmm. You don't just read about this. You actually go through this. Right, right. right. You learn as you go. So you embrace. Gotcha. You embrace. I can go and teach you right now. I mm -hmm. can tell you everything I did. Mm -hmm. But if I tell you, look, be careful from people that do X, Y, Z, right? Mm -hmm. You'll remember that. Okay, I can teach you about this. But until you actually go through this and you yeah, actually yeah, yeah. get to experience You can tell the kid snake, the stove right? is hot, but until he gets burned, he's not going to really learn. There's a difference between learn and embrace. Yeah. Right? So if you embrace, you, you kind of like curve it in your, in your DNA. It would go mm -hmm. to your children. It's going to be passed on mm -hmm. generations. It's, it's mm -hmm. you know, one of those experiences. And you need to go through that. You need to have that experience where you're going to run through some snakes. You're going to run through some, some uh, people that are insecure, and, but they have the best ideas. And you said, wow, mm -hmm. I, 
I found out that that quiet individual in the group that doesn't mm-hmm. say much might come back just that that's the typical introvert but they might have those the awesome genius. ideas yeah. yes it's like don't let that person that's louder be the one to dictate what's going to happen they might not be the most creative mm. don't let him shush everybody else okay so just then you'll have a different dynamic in the group you let everybody speaks then okay now everyone's up much more content now everybody feels more okay now i was able to push that information i think the um, the best part was when when you grow from a small business Mm-hmm. that you have, say, 15 employees, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't matter how much you grow. So it's 15 employees. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you and then everyone else under you, right? Mm-hmm. It's very, very flat organization mm-hmm. to a point where it's a tiered organization with, say, over 100 or 200 or 1,000 employees. It doesn't matter at mm-hmm. that point, right? It's you, then there's going to be a couple of people under you, one or two, then there's going to be another layer and another layer. How do you get them all to be as effective? It's very hard because mm-hmm. when it's a small group, everyone is super efficient, super effective, right? right. Right. Everyone knows what to do. Everybody understands it. But when it's a big organization, that's when you start losing it. Right. I think and they said like 20 percent, the top 20 percent of people are going to do like 80 percent of the work. All right. So the, the actual rule, and I love that you said that, not too many people hear about it. It's um, the square root of your employees will do 50 percent of your work. Right. So, I've heard, so if yeah. you have four people, two mm-hmm. of them will do 50 percent. Perfect. Right, right. But now if you have a if you have a hundred, ten will do fifty percent. If you have a thousand, thirty-three will do f- they say that if you go global and you have seven billion people, right. a small town with forty people forty thousand people will do fifty percent of the world's population. What is that law? I forgot what it's called, but yeah, it's something to where like the allocate like most music artists only 10% are going to get 80% of the hits uh whether it's basketball the top 20% are going to get billionaires. 80% how many billionaires you have how many right it's a small group of people that control that produce the most produce the most right. exactly but a unicorn company is not like that mm-hmm. go to tesla go to spacex every person is absolutely ambitious mm. every person and it's not because they picked better not only it's mostly because the people are so involved, they care about this, they sleep, they think, they drink just about because they feel they're part of something. The only, like, you, so I take it you're an Elon fan. Oh, yeah. I'm absolutely. a big Elon yeah, fan. 100%. Like, I'm about to just put my whole life in Elon, like, in stocks, bro. <laughs> but, yeah, like, because he's an, he's an actual engineer. The owner of the company is the actual engineer. He's not, like, a suit that's, like, he's similar to you. He's also a product person. Exactly. He has to understand. He knows how to build the car from the ground up, you know? Yeah. The guy who owns it at the top. And that's so when, when, you get, when you get yourself a business, and one day you're going to run a big business, remember mm-hmm. this, okay? If you want everyone to be as excited, you want to get the most out of people, you, every, 110% from every individual. First... It starts with where are you going? Mm-hmm. That's your goal. The company mm-hmm. has to have a goal. And sell their employees the goal. They got to yeah. feel like they're part of the... You got, you, you, we all have to believe that this is what we're doing. So we, I had to have a goal. And when I had 15 people, I said, okay, I'm doing okay, but I feel like I'm like a chicken with his head cut off. I have to go and tell him this one, yes, this one, no. I need them all to get into my head. So I had a good friend that she said, you got to go and write down the goal mm-hmm. for yourself. Because you know it, but you're not saying it to yourself. Mm-hmm. If you say it to yourself, you can tell this to them. Then come up with four strategies how to reach that goal. Mm. Okay, now you know where you're heading, and then you know how to get there. Because if I tell you the goal is to grow, which that was our, our goal, mm-hmm. it's like 30,000 feet high. You can get lost. Right. But it's if vague. I tell you it's how, vague. It's vague. Yeah. But now I give you four strategies. That's going to tell you how to get there. We had four pillars. Mm. And we said our goal is to grow. Mm-hmm. 
The way we're going to grow is get the best product in the box, get the best customer experience, get the best brand experience, brands that work with us, mm-hmm. and get the best influencer experience. Mm. Any idea that you have, I want you to ask yourself, what pillar am I hitting? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't hit any of the pillars, it doesn't help me grow. It's going to get me somewhere else. Right. I would literally go to the extent of giving them an example, showing them a road, and I say, this is a strategy, guys. This is not a tactic. And you're probably subconsciously asking yourself, what's a different strategy versus a tactic? Right. I yeah. ask myself that question. Right, right, there yeah. is no shame. Right. I, had no, I, I couldn't explain. I kind of knew, but I didn't. A strategy is a, com- is a common denominator of multiple tactics. So if I tell you right now that I'm going to go and, all right, so we want to get, if my strategy is to get the best product in a box, mm-hmm. my tactic would say take to dinners brand owners that I want to work with them. That's mm-hmm. tactical. Mm. Why am I doing it? Well, I develop personal relationship with them. Now they might consider me when they want to work with me. Okay, little things like that. Mm-hmm. But if I tell you, well, let's feed the home. I, I, I Best experience, uh, best customer experience, best brands experience, best influencers uh, experience, right? All those things can fall into the same place. You can throw entertainment for people like that. You can, but if I tell you, hey, let's go and feed the homeless. Every Tuesday, we all drop what we're doing as a company. We're going to feed the homeless. Said, so is that going to help me get a better product in a box? No. Mm-hmm. Is that going to help me get a better customer experience? Fuck no. Customer service is not working. Right. Is that going to help me get a better brand experience? No, because I'm not promoting the brand. I'm just giving food Mm -hmm. and soup. Is that going to help me get a better influencer experience? Also no. So I can say it's a great idea on a personal level. You guys can go ahead and do it. We can do it on a personal level. But as a company, Mm -hmm. it doesn't help us reach the goal. Right. It takes us to another place. If we all understand that, we're all goal-oriented. Mm-hmm. So all the, all the energy, all the vectors are going into one place. Mm-hmm. We can pierce through any problem. Mm. Now when people know where they're heading and how to get there, everyone feels important. Everyone has a self-actualization. You will be surprised what mountains people can move, and it doesn't all have to be on your shoulders. Right Now you have a very dedicated team, and because they're so good... They find how to, they find ways through everything else. And because they're so motivated, they want to bring each one of them turn into an A player. Not they feel like they player. have equity in it. They feel like they're a part of it. They're, so yeah. like, yeah, you know. Yeah. And they really make a difference. Wow, that reminds me of my best friend. I had him on here, um, Mike from Eat Clean. He started a business. It was, uh, he runs a meal prep company now. And he's got over 500 customers, over a million dollar company. And now he's shipping meals weekly to different states. And But he started with just three people cooking for us. And it started with five people and grew it to 10, grew it to 20. And now, you know, it's got 500, 500 people. And it's, it's interesting how there's similarities in like just scaling and, and how hard it is to go from tier to tier to tier. And, and, and the question I wanted to ask you is because he had this feeling to where someone came and wanted to buy his company, but it was hard for him to let it go because it was like one of his, a child, you know what I'm saying, that he built. So did you grow an emotional attachment to BoxyCharm? Was it hard for you to like let it go? Were you very protective over it? I, I have to explain something about this. Um, you ask yourself when you run a business, you said, is that something I want to pass on to my kids? Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to subscription box, I would tell anybody, don't start a subscription box. You don't know what you're heading until you actually start. Why? Mm-hmm. You, you're building your own prison. The stress, every month 
I, what, build, what makes the box good is every month I need to surprise and delight. It's a discovery concept. I need to go and do better than what I did last month, every month. Yeah, it you is like Christmas kind of, right? Like it's how- like a Christmas, right? And, and you keep going, sleeping, thinking just about, no, I need to go and do, I need to do different. I've, I've had that eyeshadow palette and that green was already there. I can do that green and that's the only thing they have. And to get another one, but what? And that brand was never there and that's a dope brand. I need to get that brand. So then I can go and grab, I'll go, I'll talk to Pat McGraw, let's go grab dinner and that. You, you, you're constantly thinking, but mm. after seven years, you ask yourself, like, I'm going to die when I'm 50 from a heart attack. This yeah. is freaking hard. Like, I'm a human being. Now, you don't really feel the, the underlying stress that you're in until you actually get out of it. But you understand that it's, it's not something I want my kids to live through. It's not something, uh, it's not a nine to five where you could check out of it because it's yeah, yours. So, it's, like, it's, your, so it's a but, kid. <laughs> but then at the same time, like, I can talk about this all day long. I was loving it. I mean, I, I can't. I gave something for myself when I sold this business, but I knew that there has to be a certain discipline because, I'm, I, you know, there was a time to sell. Mm-hmm. Just like there's a time to, to enter, there's also a time to mm-hmm. leave in this business. And I felt like it, it was the right momentum to sell the business. And as much as I want to, I have to go and be disciplined about that. Mm-hmm. Because I know I'm, I'm not going to want to do it for the rest of my life. Right. And it's it's not healthy. But also I felt like the there was a time that the subscription box service is the hype. To, yeah. uh, the hype is gone and um and I can break it down into many whys, but I knew that it's time to sell and the company that wanted to buy me, they decided to double down and I was like, Okay, perfect, let's go and Wow. So you sell it for 500 million and you know, this was a 10 year thing for you. And like you said, that stress you sell now, what happens? Do you, are you able to like exhale a little bit? Do you, do you go to Europe and like disappear? I gotta, I gotta for- say first, the whole 500 was, I mean, I had partners. Right, 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 right. So right, right, people yeah. think, but, but it was a life changing event, obviously. Right. Look, so a couple of things. Well, first of all, um, Remember, I don't know if you heard about the virus, COVID. Yeah, it was, uh, was kind of yeah. crazy, right? So first off, um, when I got the cash, mm-hmm. right after that, I a little bit after I bought the house, mm-hmm. and then they opened the country, mm-hmm. right? Everything starts opening again, mm-hmm. uh, and I also got separated. So it was wasn't just selling the business. It's a, the fact that I don't have to wake up, manage so many people with the stress that everything is is that okay? Did the did we double charge the cards by mistake? Was there an mm-hmm. issue with this, something, some product? One thing, I don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And then hundreds of people that you manage, no worry about that. And mm-hmm. the second thing is, I can get out, I can, I, I literally, after a year plus, that we were all locked up, now I can get out. Mm-hmm. And I'm single, and you saw my place waking up mm-hmm. in a place where like, fuck, man. Yeah. I used to live on rice and ketchup. Yeah. So it's, it all came together and it took it took me about close to eight months to a year until I actually felt like, what the fuck? This is amazing. Yeah. I don't have to wake up for anything. And you know what? I fucking love it. Right. So for I think for about a couple of weeks, oh, two weeks or something, or a week and a half, I, I think I ran through everything on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything I haven't seen up and, and they, they didn't produce. Right, 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 COVID, right, right, so right, it right. Also that. 
And then eventually I started getting the itch. So I said, okay, I got to do something. I like a week and a half. I feel I like COVID so. taught a lot of people that. Like, you know, before COVID, you would think to yourself, oh, I don't want to go to work. And then you can't go to work. And you see what the alternative to not going to work is. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, how much Netflix can you watch? How much, you know? Like, so you realize, like, when COVID was over, I went into a gear that I never knew I had. Because I was like, what's the alternative to this? Just to sit at home and, yeah. why, you know? Like, so... You know, but someone gets that type of money, you know, you still look good. You, st I could tell you still in the gym, you know, like you didn't let it get to your head. And no, I would assume yeah. that's because of the struggle that you went through, you know, like, well, yeah, I'm also not, not, let's just say I'm not 20 years old that I'm going to lose my head over it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm more mature. I have kids and mm -hmm. uh, I have other things in life that are important for me. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, you want to see, I think the biggest thing is when through breakout where you, you worried about the kids, how they're going to take it. Mm -hmm. It's just bigger than that. It's, right, right. It's right. There are things that prioritize it. Uh, by the way, you're single. You know, you mm -hmm. know how it is to go and do Zoom classes with a six-year-old boy that has. Uh, I couldn't uh, imagine. Pete. I was talking to some friends it. with kids. Oh, man, and it like, sounds like hell. Yeah. Like, this is not the life I want to have. Yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs> and every time you see Fachi said, "We have to stay home. We cannot go out." Like, and we, oh no! And yeah. it might be for years. Like, oh god, yeah, this is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was bad. That's funny, yeah. man. So. So what? Ha so you sell it, you know. COVID happens. Um, which when you get that itch to to want to do something, what's calling you? At that so time? obviously, I started doing something right after. I mean, first uh, I wanted to build financial literacy because I was I was the entrepreneur. I wasn't the guy that's gonna do money engineering and all like that. Like you knew how to make the money, but you weren't too I wasn't knowledgeable on attention. what to do with it. Yeah. So what happened is, at least me. Okay, I'm a hundred percent in and one thing and when you tell me hey there's something called bitcoin i don't have time to listen to it let me move on pass yeah. the years are passing by like hey do you want to go and uh, do options trading like, no nah, i don't have to. i'm selling more boxes leave me alone right so yeah, i was I'm the so same into, way i'm the I same was, way. i was all in right yeah. so i said before i start my next thing and i'm all in let me go and make sure i know how to actually trade let me go mm. and understand everything uh, selling longer short-term futures uh, all those parts right? many others Oh, let me acquire knowledge about blockchain technology, everything else. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I started building projects, not companies. Mm -hmm. uh, until recently, I actually, uh, instead of funding a company, I had the opportunity actually to invest in a company that I liked. It's just one of a few, but this one I'm a little bit, I'm actually working with them a little bit because it's fun, but uh, it's different. But I can't just sit down and do nothing, right? right. So um, have you watched uh, War Dogs? No. You haven't watched War Dogs? No, bro, I'm not a TV the movie? guy, bro. No, it's not a TV. It's, it's a, a movie. movie. Yes, I know it's a movie. I heard. War I haven't Dogs. seen it. It was here in Miami. Everything. You have to watch it. Yeah, I gotta watch it. I haven't uh, seen so it. it's it's about selling um, to the DoD Department of Defense, mm. and uh, that's a company I got into. We're not selling actual arms, but anything tactical gear or so on. So mm. it's exciting. So I feel like that's a good thing to invest in, just because oh, like the tension the of like the. the yeah. The tension of like the country now. Every country, I mean, just Germany, they doubled their military budget, and that's Germany. That's so true. think about it. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> we could go down that rabbit hole, but like, are you? I mean, are you? Um, yeah, I, I, like I've never been a, like I'm gonna get my concealed. I'm, you know, I've never been like a gun guy, but it, it seems like with the tensions in the country and the way the world is working right now, and and people are, you know feel like they got nothing to lose and i don't know it just feels like a the tension you feel tension you know i don't I, where do you yeah. see this do you see i, I wish i was optimistic yeah. but i'm kind of pe pessimistic so about. unfortunately 
uh, what I see right now is not what I used to see back then when I used to come and visit my dad in the United States. I think that uh, the country has been divided heavily mm -hmm. between uh, groups and um, I don't think it was coming from with from within as much as it was coming from outside within. So I felt like it was foreign countries that had the ability to influence uh, the United States to kind of like break apart. Mm -hmm. If you take extremists on both sides, let them go and shoot, let them go and cause some right. riots, let them break. Okay. Um, and it wasn't like that before. It I wasn't... think social media naturally does that to where it forces yeah. people into like echo chambers. And that's what the algorithms do, you know? So if I'm into like, you know, if I like one post from this political guy, it's going to show me all the political posts from here. And I'm going to get opinions and things from everybody over here. Horrible, and right? yeah. I, I can never be on one side. Like I'm going to be educated on what my enemy thinks. You know what I'm saying? And, and just kind of learn all perspectives and then come up, come up with a conclusion. But people really just put themselves on a team and just kind of, I don't know. Man. Yeah, there's no, like, the the issue for me when I listen to, uh, say, take Fox News as the right wing and then uh, CNN and all the left wing, the reason you can tell that none of them is, is objective is because if you listen to, say, Fox News talking about uh, Obama, mm -hmm. there's not going to be a single positive information about it, Obama. 100%. So don't tell me that you're positive. You, it had to be something right. all those years, vice versa. I could tell you something positive about my enemy. So Thank exactly, you. right? So then, then you look at uh, uh, Trump on the media on the other side, all negative. So it's like, okay, so you want to tell me that it's all negative here, all negative there, and none of you guys is, is at least is, uh, is subjective? No, right. you're both subjective. Okay, so my, and my thing is that this is where you get your source of information. So how true is that information that I was getting? Right? Yeah. It's just, what are, about you trying to, are you trying to influence me? Uh, you know, one and so now look, when I, when I left Israel, mm -hmm. for years I decided I don't want to hear the news. Because, you know, you come down here and the difference is in Israel, when you put the radio on, right, before we had Spotify or... Mm -hmm. um, you would hear the news all the time, news, news, news. So you come here, you just hear music. Salsa noventa punto tres. And you listen to salsa, no interruptions, unless there's a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Oh, we're going to stop for two seconds. Uh, no more New York City, nuclear mm -hmm. bomb, boom. God forbid, right? Yeah. So, but, then just, <laughs> but then just music. And I said, this is freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. I love it. So for years, I haven't listened to anything. And then, like you said, social media came in there, shoving it down your throat because one time you looked at this and you said, so I stop myself sometimes from looking mm -hmm. because that's how the algorithm stopped showing me the stories or so, so on. Um, yeah, it, we, it, that, but then it's, it's hard. It's hard. It still comes. Like, how do you not? Like, then eventually your friends want to talk about this because their algorithm. Right, is, right. Yeah, so it's, like, it's coming from your I friends. I think the trick is just trying to use social media to produce and not to consume. You know, I try to just yeah. put my thing and run from it, but it's hard. Like, it's very hard. Elon, Elon um, so what, one of the first changes Elon did on Twitter is that, I don't know if you have Twitter, but the natural algorithm is like Facebook or Instagram, anything that's going to show you what they think you engage with the most. But then Elon put an option to where you could switch it and put your tweets back to chronological order. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I did that right away because I looked at the difference. And if, when you put it to like my the, the regular algorithm, it's 
just girls, bro. I'm like, damn, I'm not like a pit. How do they, like, they know what my weakness is to make yeah. me stay on that shit, you know? And I put it back and I'm like, it's like regular, just. Listen. You know, you know something about, uh, about the change from chronological and Instagram. So there was, um, there was a hack where you were able to grow if, if you had a lot of people coming in uh, to your site and you say, hey, do you want to buy X, Y, Z? And you would go and put them through a, a funnel where they're about, they think they're about to buy and then when they're about to buy, I say, thank you. Now you joined the wait list. If you still want to buy, just follow us on Instagram. So we would go and have them click on it. And then we would make them follow. So you would, you would make them follow whatever you want to follow, right? So mm -hmm. at the time, Ipsy, the, the company that acquired me, had this brilliant guy uh, working over there. His name is Simon. And in 2014, I saw what he did. I said, ah, this guy's good. What he did was he would go and get you on a wait list, supposedly. And you say, if you want to skip the wait list, just click here. And he would make you follow some of their creators. Some he new would tell girls. you there's a wait list and then tell you how to skip the which, wait which, list to get you to They do really had a wait list, but, oh. but then they didn't have a wait list, but they still kept it. But what they did was they wanted, they wanted to promote some influencers. So what they would do is they would tell you, just follow them. So you would click automatically. He had API permission. At the time, it was okay to do it with Facebook, where you would go in and get, get people to follow automatically four or five people at once. But because the, the algorithm was chronological, imagine you have no idea that you just follow four girls mm -hmm. that a minute ago they didn't have that many followers. Now they have a million followers all of a sudden. And a million people follow them, but it's going to push it into your into your feed because it's chronological mm. and they became boom. So now, obviously they're also good in what they did. Right. So they were actually good. So they blew up and that changed their life. It was, it was a really good strategy um, mm. that, that you look. So it, chronologically it was, it was, it was pretty interesting. I mean, there's a, quite a few growth hacking tactics that mm -hmm. have transformed companies uh, to be huge. There was, uh, there was another one called Badoo. It was a dating site. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they were from Eastern Europe and they were growing like a little bit every year, two million a year, two million point two, something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, I'm getting information from a friend of mine that knows them. But one day I'm getting on Facebook and I'm talking years ago. Johnny said something about you. Do you want to see what he said? Click here. I see. Yep, I see. You remember that, yep, right? Yeah. They used those API permissions where they were able to download a Facebook uh, kind of like an app. Where what they would do is, as soon as you would say yes, automatically, you would take all your information, you would give them permission to use all your information, submit it into their website, and automatically send an, uh, an email and a DM to everyone that you follow said, Casey, just answer some questions about you. Click here to say yes, and that would just go on forever. So they went from, what happened is, suddenly they have your profile, geo-targeted to where you live. Boom, Casey is single. Here is all the information. They pull it out of Facebook. Bam, now you're going to start getting DMs from relevant girls. Oh, shit, you have a girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, she broke up with you. Who the fuck cares? But we increased our database. They grew from 2 million, from what I hear, to 100 million, like, all of, like this clickbait off like emotion try to Bam. like get your emotionality all it takes is creativity and understanding the, the api permissions now what do you do after six months a year they no longer have those permissions they change it however how do you keep getting those permissions you go to all those little site all those little companies that had those quizzes on facebook that were using those permissions but they got grandfather in so you buy those little motherfuckers you said hey do you want 50 grand I'll buy your quiz. 
Oh, sure, 50 grand. I, I don't even make money on that quiz. Sure. But you're buying all the information. But you're getting that. So now you make a billion dollar business like that. With so everyone's information, yeah. Well, you get the API permission. So because you have the API permission, you can say, okay, so now I can create a web where I can go and say, I, I want to go and build up a name of a company where it's going to be recurring revenue or it's going to be whatever. I can go in and send an email. Hey, Johnny, just answer a couple questions about you. Do you want to see it? Yes. Boom. They go. So now you basically mm. get to create awareness for free. Wow. They, they call it growth hacking tactic. Right. So that was part of how I was fascinated with when I was growing my liquidation business, I was trying to create link baits. So people would go and create links for my site. So Google would go and give me high scores and then I would mm -hmm. rank. So if you would search whatever I wanted, if you search uh, how to buy uh, clothing by the by the pallet, I wanted to be number one for free. Mm -hmm. So you need a lot of links. So until I got on Forbes and I figured out how to get on those major, major, I didn't know how to do it. And I just need a lot of people linking to me. So then the SEO score is going to go up. Mm -hmm. So ultimately what it does is it builds your critical thinking when you start seeing it. So then eventually when you see some kind of an ad or a weird game, you look at this and you say, okay, that's just a game, but I can use that for something else. Or Oh, that's a good marketer right there. Let me right. see who's this company. They're going to be big. So you, you cannot, yeah, because you can go and see you, you have a different uh, view yeah. of, uh, yeah. damn bro. Shit is changing so much now. You got the metaverse. Um, you, you a stock guy? If I play, if I put money in the stock market? Yeah. Are you a stock? Are you into the market? Like, well, um, I, I am, uh, but not much. Um, I know if you saw my stories around, uh, early January, I, or mid January, I said, I'm pulling out of the stock market completely. I see a crash. Mm. Uh, Move. Yeah. Shit. I, I, it's just obvious. I get in a little bit uh, on the day of the invasion because mm -hmm. it was really, really down. And then I pull in and out a couple of times, but Let's just say that since I pulled out, I'm perhaps 7% of the kind of money that I had before. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I just, I, if, if you don't see a bear market, then you're complete blind. Like if, yeah. you, didn't see, if you didn't see it back then, like you're not, yeah. you, you have to see a bear market. Like, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to tell me what goes up, always goes up. Like, no, it's going to go down. Yeah. Do you, how do you, how worse do you see it getting? Do you see it getting better? Like, I mean, I think we've gone worse or we've just equated the same as the 2020 crash during the pandemic when it crashed. I think it dropped the same amount so far. Um yeah, so, I mean, is it still going to drop? It's, I think it's the worst start to the year in, like, 20 years, I think. So, you know, uh, definition for recession is two negative quarters uh, in a row. That's basically what it is. So uh -huh. if you had one quarter that was negative and then the second one, that's, uh, that basically mm -hmm. means a recession. Um, I just I think that unlike 2009 and 2001, we don't have inflation uh, going alongside... Um, mm. uh, unemployment. So there is no real unemployment. That's one thing. Uh, however, we're running into a situation that we didn't really have before because in 09, there was no real money that was pumped into the economy the same way that it is now, right. not at the same scale, and not to mention 01. But every time you have any type of drop, it's fast. Mm -hmm. right? It just takes a while to go back up. Mm -hmm. That's why the 2020, March 2020, doesn't count for me. Mm. It's a hiccup. It's not the same. It's not like there was an actual uh, conditions for... Uh, now it's a real recession right, right. coming in or whatever. Uh, it's, uh, it's about time. 
they overprint money or maybe not really because they wanted to prevent other catastrophes without who knows right what would have been if they did put the money could it could have been much worse right right um so i don't i don't like to guess because you're trying to guess the vix numbers like how is going to be the the fear factor yeah 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 really yeah. the fear is everything over there it's a big place i don't think we should gamble on that one but i think that uh i think that we haven't seen the bottom yet mm-hmm. completely might be a little bit more might be a lot more but i think it's just a matter of fear like and if it is the the bottom of it then i'll say well we got lucky because look look at uh look at uh s&p mm-hmm. where it was two years ago it was it was much lower i think it was Mm-hmm. It was much lower, right? So just, there's more room to go to kind of like create an even uh, right. trade. So. I mean, we're about to be at the sec- second, you said two quarters, two negative quarters. We're about to be at the second negative quarter. So do you see just a recession coming? Do you see? Oh, it's it's uh, it's there, right? I mean, if we finish by, uh, what was it, uh, June finishing, uh, if you take the, the three months, right, to say it's April, May, June. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe June is going to be okay, but if April and May are negative, mm-hmm. and then June didn't pick us up from where uh, May, uh, uh, April, April started, mm-hmm. uh, then it's considered a negative quarter. Mm. So even if we are doing better, if we are going to do better, hopefully, mm-hmm. in June, I just don't make a big issue out of it because it's like, damn, we kind of need a little bit correction in reality, and um, maybe on a personal level, I, I'm like, you can't just keep going up and think it's going to go up forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's it's obvious. Let it get get it over with, and uh, yeah. hopefully it's going to get better. Um, what stocks do you like? Are you are you a big Tesla guy? What are you What are you? Uh, well, with Tesla, um, long term, I yeah. see the potential. The only issue I have with Tesla is like, look, if Elon Musk dies tomorrow. Yeah, because the Russians are coming for him. I don't know if you saw that tweet. Well, whatever, <laughs> he, he, he's not taking care of himself. He's right, gaining right. weight right now, whatever it is, right? Or whatever, he, right. he fall off the stairs or the FTC decide to fuck him up because yeah. they don't like him. Something happens to him, right? It's, uh, every, it's like a single point of failure, for my opinion. It, so, it's, so it's not like Steve Jobs dying and Apple still being able to like... No, because uh, Steve Jobs was amazing, but... Um, the thing is with Tesla, there is a, a the, the company itself is an amazing company, right? We're, Tesla, a car is just one piece of it, and everybody understands that. It's not like yeah. really a car. Right, they're about to mine that. lithium and like everything, do, yeah. right? AI, Optimus. Robots and and, shit, yeah. yeah. But without Elon Musk, if you wake up one day mm-hmm. and they announce that Elon Musk is dead, God forbid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. What's going to be the value of the stock? Do you understand the fear that's going to be in the market? People are going to run. Yeah. Well, the fear of the world. Like, that's like, yeah. <laughs> you know? That, so. I mean, they say, I mean, they say, you know, the, 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 the people that are bullish on it, you know, you put your money will 10x by 2030. You and know? That's, that's very possible. Right. I, I, it's very possible. Like, I'm not going to go and uh, buy it, but I'm not going to short it. Gotcha. Because I can't, I can't tell the Elon Musk is, is not a regular. You have this guy once every couple of generations, right? So mm-hmm. it's not a regular guy, and uh, he has a big plan, and I I, I want to see him. So I put a little bit in it, but I'm mm-hmm. not going to go on. I don't see, and I was having this conversation the other day about just EVs in general, and I don't see 
you know, you got, you got BMW, you got all these classic car companies trying to enter the EV world. But it seems like I look at EVs more as like technology more than I do as a car. Like I feel like Apple came in. When they come in and come out with their car, that's going to be more competition for Tesla than say a BMW or a Ford or a Cadillac, you know? That's just the way I'm conceptualizing EVs. It, it's more about technology to me than the actual car. But Have you, have you seen... Um have you seen what they did when uh, when it comes down to um, Neuralink? What do you specifically? So he owns a company called Neuralink. Right, they're gonna put some shit in your brain. Yeah. So, uh, so Neuralink, what he's trying to do is actually say, well, if I can go and create the ability to, st if you're uh, if you're paralyzed, right, things that don't exist, Just right. Little things like that, right? So it's like so much contribution to, to what we have in our life. And he said this year, the end of next year, right? So I went, I went to LA the other, like a few months ago. It was mm -hmm. interesting, uh, to a, an NFT event. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, so I'm checking in, and there was this uh, really nice girl over there in the front also checking in. We're both talking, what do you do? She's in private equity, what do you do? I said, uh, uh, nothing actually right now because like, hard mm -hmm. to explain what I do, <laughs> <but> <laughs> like, I'm going to an NFT event she said okay cool so we're talking and um, she said okay so what do you guys invest in and she tells me deep tech do deep you know, tech that's the term do you know what's a deep tech I have no idea. Yeah, no. What the hell is that? Sounds kind of scary. Oh, so, wow. Well, how deep is it? Yeah. Well. So <laughs> she tells me, well, uh, you know about Elon Musk, what he does. And, oh, yeah. She said, well, we do the same thing, but non-invasive. So we technically put some punches on your head. Jeez. And you're connected to a computer, so you want to speak Portuguese in a minute, bam, you're good. Uh, things like that. I said, no, you got to be kidding me. She said, yes, come to London. I'm going to show it to you. So anyway, I need to go to London. But imagine... Things like this is is coming. I mean, we're talking about something that's going to come. So, like increase your ability to process talk. information. Yeah, Imagine yeah. if you can process information plus put human uh, intelligent, not just AI, right? Just right, actual right. human intelligent alongside AI and you have all the speed in the world to process any information. What kind of capacity you're going to have to actually decide what stock to invest in? Who's going to be better? Who do you think is going to be better then? Yeah. How crazy is that, right? I mean, first of all, a couple of things on that. I think they're a little more talk than they are like, like, then they Dude, are. She said you come over and you're going to see it. I'll, uh, I got it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I have like, to see what? it. I have to see it. If you come in that shit and start speaking Japanese, then I'll fucking oh, man. I, no, but once you plug it out, you don't have that. That's right, different, right? right? Elon right. Musk, it stays with you. Right. It's cheap, but yeah. I got to see how. And then, do you think humans are going to be just receptive to that type of shit? Like just, I mean, maybe the invasive one. People like, weren't receptive for, to microwave in the beginning. It was 1500 bucks. I'm talking in the 80s or so. Mm. And they said, well, lasers, we're going to get cancer. They didn't understand that there is no cancer from, from... Up until now, they think that if you're close to your microwave, you're going to get cancer. I bet you're going to go right now in the building, tell people, hey, do you think... No, there is no fucking cancer because they don't understand how it works. Right, right. Right? So the, the idea is that the first generation might be apprehensive, but the thing is, even Elon said, look, if you go and you implant a chip, it's for people with problems, right? It's people that are sick, that they cannot walk, they can have, I don't know, Alzheimer or so on. That's supposed to fix them. Okay, but then after that, you can go and, and right. look at everything. But you always have the evil side that gets used for the, the black market, the shit that gets used for you. Yeah, know, that's that. true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be crazy. You, we talked off air. We want to talk about that. We were talking about the housing market and real estate and stuff. And you said, um, 
you know, it's not going to, I was hoping, you know, that it would crash a little sooner because I'm ready to buy a property. Oh, but yeah. you were telling me that, wait, you're saying. For Miami, I give it three years. Three Unless years. the market changes and the Russians are attacking us over here. Yeah. <laughs> like, but um, they come from Cuba and shit. And, and I love Russians, by the way. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm Israeli and uh, so many Russian friends. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, uh, the way I see it is you look at the skyline Miami and you see all those cranes. We're the third third tallest building, the third tallest city in the United States. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So Behind Chicago, and we're gonna be we're coming we're catching up, right? But right. if you look at all the buildings and the high rates that are coming in, they're yeah. going to relieve a lot of the demand needs, right? But it would take a couple of years to get to it, right? Add supply chain and everything else. So some of them already started, some are not. But you're gonna start seeing on a micro on a micro side mm -hmm. in Miami, right? Because I can't tell you what's gonna be across the United States. There's gonna be because of um, interest rate going up, it's going to be harder for people. People are not going to buy houses the same way, right? Mm -hmm. But specifically in Miami, and it's been very cyclical. They always come down in Brickell and downtown Miami, and they put all those high rises when it's hot. Four years later, they all get stuck with some, uh, and they move it slower than they thought. Yeah, but for the pandemic, rises. it was like one in three units in Brickell were vacant. Like before the pandemic. And how is they it now? Had, uh, now, I mean, I don't know the numbers Nothing now. Nothing available, right? Yeah, there's no inventory. Yeah, so they're creating new inventory because people actually occupied this and they, mm -hmm. they stayed for good. But they're, they're building a lot. So what I'm saying is any shift you're going to see, and I don't think it's going to be a crash, but any, any shift you're going to see would take about three years because every building has so many units. All of them are going to be available, plus the organic availability that's being created in the market. Right. right? That anything that they're building is better than the, the old ones that they have built. Right. So who's going to be kind of like for sale? The older ones. Right? Right. They're going to be cheaper. Right. right. That's, that's the evolution of, of, of uh, that's a product life cycle. Mm -hmm. Right. That, that was, uh, so you're going to see in three to four years, and it's going to accelerate every time when more and more projects are coming. Because I, I, I get calls. From, for and I'm I'm not in real estate. I'm mm -hmm. just a guy that some people know, and they said, "Hey, we're buying this land. We need to put twelve million dollar. Do you want to come in at whatever capacity? It's going to be a forty. So I did the first building, and that they keep coming with more buildings. Yeah. So I, I can tell you that if I'm getting those, I got already two or three, and I only took one of them because I said, All right, I took one from a year ago. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be in two, three years from now, then that would four, yeah. five years. And by then it's going to be too many buildings because I've seen Miami. I've seen how it happened over here. So I want to be one of the first ones that are finishing our buildings. I know we're selling it. We're good. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be two years later coming in with more buildings. And yeah, I'm curious to see what happens when we get because we're due for a hurricane, like a real hurricane. And I'm curious to see, you know, all these people that come here from other places, how they, you know, <laughs> but they came to live here. This is not 09. 09 people were trying that we would buy 30 units because it was zero down payment or two percent down payment. And the, everyone took a balloon loan where the first three years is a very, very low interest rate and so on. And then came those three years, they have to come up with a bigger deposit. They have to come up mm -hmm. with suddenly they, they, they couldn't afford it. The market was down and then everyone collapsed and you had 30 units. So you lost everything you didn't even yeah. have. In this case, people really bought it to live in it. The, yeah. the, the, the traffic that you get now is not what we had two years ago. Yeah. So it was a... It was, uh, there's going to be a correction, but it's, I don't see a crush necessarily. I see yeah. just a correction. It's, it's going to go down a little bit. need to but. fix the infrastructure here, though, for sure. Because oh, it's right. like a, the third world country infrastructure with first world buildings. You yeah, know. We're all good the, until it wasn't good. Eh? Yeah. But, but the, the, and then the flooding is fucking crazy. You see in uh, New York City, right? New York City, impossible to move. You can take 
45 minutes to move two, two miles yes. on during the day, two miles. Are they working on their infrastructure? Where are they? I don't see anything. No one is. Are they fixing their subway? Are they, are they doing another layer under yeah, the subway? No yeah. one is doing that. But you see more high rises. Yeah. This is a curse of every city. That's why I think if you want to put your money, get the hell out of Miami, put it in the Fort Lauderdale area, put it in some other place. Puerto Rico. No, 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 but <laughs> don't go too far. You can do Puerto yeah, Rico, yeah, yeah, by yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah, Puerto You're Rico, saying like an outlet city. Yeah, go, go a little uh, bit outside. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not, it's already overpriced over here. Right. Right. So a place like, say, Las Olas, right? You can still buy places for a fair, decent price on the water. Right. But then you're going to see all the high rises coming in. They're building the infrastructure over there. They're making it better. It's going to be kind of like, I would say, 20% Miami mm-hmm. type with much more entertainment. It's already great, right? But mm-hmm. imagine it's going to be impossible to buy properties on the water, no matter how many canals they have with their... Yeah, just yeah, yeah. There's not so, so much water. Yeah, because you can walk to Las Solas. You can walk to the beach from where I live. Those properties are not going to be the same. Yeah. You know, I felt like I, it's, it's still a, a way to steal it, but you come down Miami, it's, yeah, it's, it's three, four times more expensive. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, how, you've, you've gone all different places you you're a south florida guy like you love south florida you don't see yourself living anywhere else yeah i mean i i don't i, I do it with, around my kids right mm-hmm. wherever they are when they're gonna be 20 plus living wherever they want to live i can't tell you where i'm gonna be but uh i feel like i have to be around my kids mm-hmm. i'm going to school so if if we have to move with the kids to New York. I'll move to New York. I, I never want to get out of Florida. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I think it's the place. Mm-hmm. We hit it at the right time over here. We've been through a renaissance time. And uh, we haven't seen the best yet. I think it gets better and yeah, better. It's still a baby. Like, it's and, amazing. You know, it's amazing. And as the politics get even more divided, I think we're on the good side of the politics. You know, I think people are coming here because the, the political side of it is half of it. You know, If, like, you, if you put aside um, the... The politic between, uh, I mean, DeSanti talking about abortion, put all that right, aside. Right. Let's talk about what we do agree on. Or, uh, because I don't say agree or disagree because that's not my point, right? Right now, you're basically coming in with a point where you're the first one to say there is no need to put a mask when you're going to the beach. People right. thought it was crazy. Right. No, it wasn't crazy. It wasn't. He said, I'm, I'm saying it because there is no data to say that anyone needs it and the, the hospitals are empty. That was back then. If it's going to get crowded, no more uh, going to the beach. Mm-hmm. But right now, we need to let them, okay, now beach was working. No one is com- coming sick. Okay, now let's open a little bit. The rest. It was the first place. And my, my thing was that how long will it take for all the other states to catch up with where Florida was? Those years, it would take a while, mm-hmm. right? So now everything was, everyone, everyone uh, I think the leadership was great, um, Mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, great guy. Um, I think, I mean, meeting him personally, I think that it's it's unique, right? There aren't too many mayors that want to meet anyone that actually can influence the city in mm-hmm. one way. So the fact you want to meet with me, with many of my friends that did something big, that created jobs over here, shows a lot. Mm-hmm. And you can tell when someone is genuine, by the way, mm-hmm. and, uh, versus a politician. So I think we got lucky with the right people. It's yeah, and I always say, especially South Florida, especially Miami, I feel like we're a good balance of just the left and the right. You know, a lot of places you go, it's super left or it's super right. But in Miami, you, you, you got a, a balance, and I think balance is key, you know, because... It's a melting it pot, right? If you, right. Had, if you had one type of demographic over here, uh, it's very easy to demonize the ones that you, you, don't, you don't really see or you don't really know. 
if you live around um, Hispanics, Blacks, Jews, everything, right? Because it's very, mm -hmm. suddenly you humanize them. Mm, yeah. And when you humanize them, they get along. And that's why it's easier. It's not divided like you've seen this in perhaps uh, LA, where it's very segregated. Mm -hmm. This is the bad area over here. This is all the uh, Hispanics area, but that's the hood for the Hispanics. This is the, the other hood. This is the blood. This is the, the creeps. This, yeah. No, it's not everyone, like that. Ever, no one, everyone stays on their side over yeah, there. Yeah. Here, it's a Over bit... here, it was, it's very much of a melting pot, and that's why you didn't see that much. They were trying to create more tension, but it was nothing like we've seen in... Uh, yeah, I, I've said this a lot of times. It feels like over here in Miami, we don't deal with, which is why I don't think I see myself leaving, but we don't deal with... It almost seems like we're another country in Latin America, more so than we are another city in the United States. It feels like we don't deal with all the other bullshit that... La República de la Florida. Hey, yeah. It's a, it seems like we don't deal with all the other bullshit that, you know, they're dealing with in Did the Did you country. learn Spanish? Yeah. So you're fluent. Yeah, uh, I'm conversational. I'm not... I wouldn't say I'm fluent, but I'm conversational. I can have a conversation. But you're American-American, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. In, in yeah, 20... So. In 20 15 i did radio for eight years on power 96 and then in 20 oh, you did that yeah i was with dj Laz, and i grew up around wow. hispanics latins my whole life and i always had a good accent you know like i could imitate certain people and then but when 2015 happened um uh i noticed spanish music starting making a comeback i started seeing j balvin and the colombians started making reggaeton and it was getting plays in miami and it was, it was like the rebirth of reggaeton and then the politics with the radio i wasn't really feeling how it was going because they were bringing like guys from wisconsin and, and like you know white guys and they were kind of like diluting the culture of what the radio huh. should sound like here so i quit and it was the first time i never went to college because i went right to the radio after high school it was the first time where i could leave and do something and i was like i saw like a stock I saw the Latin, I saw it about to blow up. So I was like, bro, let me go. I moved to Colombia. I moved to Medellin. How long have you been there? I've been there 10 times. But no, how I go, long did you live there? I, li I lived, well, I always would go back and forth, but I lived there for like three months. Amazing. Yeah. So Just I like that, you decided to go over there. Yeah. Well, my, fr my friend took me there. Um, right when I was about to quit radio for the first time, leaving the country. I was in Colombia, beautiful women, good vibes. And I'm a very extroverted person like I like cracking jokes and stuff and I couldn't speak to anybody and I hated it so I came back over here and I was like you know what I'm quitting radio and let me let me leave so I did that investment and I just I did three months took Spanish classes I DJed in, in Medellin and then I came back over here and I would do baseline.com $100 a month unlimited Skype sessions with teachers in Venezuela you do 30 mm. minute blocks or you could do eight hours no way. And I would be there for seven hours a day just talking to people in Colombia like just practicing it and then it's like the gym. You, you go and you start to see results. So then I did a video of me speaking Spanish. What I would do is you, you learn a lot through music. So what I would do is, because I'm a DJ. Was that the movie? I think I saw your video where you did something where you did the Don Omar uh, or something. Yeah, that was later. That was way oh, later. But okay. I did a first video of. So what I would do is I would, you know, grammar and that shit is easy. What's hard to do is get your tongue to be able to make the sounds of mm. another language. So what I would do is I would go on Snapchat or Instagram and film while I'm driving, film maybe four, ten, 10 seconds of a song. I would film it. And then before I post it, you know, it just plays over and over and yeah. over. So I would just not post it and put it there and it would go over and over and over. And I would just, while I'm driving, just sit until I can say it exactly how the song goes. And I did that with like 10 songs. So I was able to say like 10 different songs in Spanish. Damn. And I did a video of me just putting all those songs together da, 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 and saying them all back. And it got, 
on Facebook, it's got 10 million views right now. Really? Yeah. When did it, you it, po- when when did that it? was in 2017? And then Alex wow. Sensation, a big DJ in New York, posted it. Um, and yeah, that shit blew up. So when I saw that, I was like, the white guy that speaks Spanish is like a unicorn. You know, ah. like no one sees that. So it's like the gym. I was like, I'm For going. Sure. It motivated me and put the battery in my back to just go crazy with it, bro. Then. Next thing you know, I'm in, on Sundays, I would go to Tipico and I like to, you know, I'm in the club all the time, but when I'm not working, I like to go to Spanish spots. So then I'm like, fuck it, let me learn to dance. And I'm good at bachata. So then I have another video dancing bachata <laughs> that has, you know, 100,000 views and people see me and they start calling me Tigre Blanco. Next thing I know. How I'm, do you call you? El Tigre Blanco. El like, Tigre Blanco, yeah, that's Dominican, all, that's Dominican way to all say. My, uh, when I speak Spanish, I sound Dominican. All my oh, friends are Dominican, all my exes awesome. are Dominican. So, my ex-wife is Dominican. Yeah, Dominican women. Are, I'm trying to take a break from Dominican women, but um, but yeah. So, so now next thing now, fast forward. I'm doing a lot of Spanish parties now. Half That's my parties awesome. are are all Spanish. I'm going to Colombia. I did it in in um in April. I'm going back June 24th. I'll be in Medellin, DJing over there again for the weekend. And and yeah, there's just you know. Well, there's something that so what you said because when you when you speak English, you know. You're expected to speak English. Everyone in the world speaks English, right? right? But but when you finally speak Spanish or different Spanish, right? For me, because I took Spanish classes and now I'm also conversational. Uh, I was obsessed with salsa. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got into it. Mm-hmm. It was uh, in my country. I was. So um, I noticed that they're so happy when someone is speaking Spanish. Because it's so not. It's so open for that. Because when, the, when, say, a Latin person comes to the United States and wants to learn English, it's kind of like financially motivated you know you want to better your life but when you see someone who lives in a first world country want to learn spanish it's like why are you doing that what's the yeah. reason you're doing your that culture. you must you must really be genuine there's yeah. something about you that's really you know and i mean for me it was just to impress women at the end of the day but you know hey listen whatever yeah. gives you the motivation i mean yeah. it's it's a tool right what, what you're saying about that like it's a tool if you go out there and you go to a place with a bunch of uh, hispanic guys and that's what i've noticed also it's a Okay, because you speak Spanish, they don't expect perfection, but they said, okay, now you're more special. I expect all the Latinos to speak it, but why you speak it? Okay, that's unique. I want to hear more. Now he's an interesting guy. He's cultured. And he's genuine. genuine. Exactly. Like you, you could, you could, and that's another thing. As soon as you see me speak Spanish, you can know the type of person I am. Like you, this says so much about me. You know what Ah. I'm saying? I'll never forget. I was in Colombia and it was, I was in Cartagena and I was in like a store and it was some fat white guy that had all his money out. He had like a thousand dollars. He's like, give me this, give me that. And I wanted to fight him. You know what I'm saying? Like, and and just, yeah, because, because you open up for their culture and you like it. And also uh, the guys are also coming in like, come on, let's go grab a beer because they're like, bam, 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 so you're like, you're part of the the clan over there, and they, they all want to hear about it. So it's uh, it obviously gives us the rewards. It's like it's a very very good crowd. I think Miami is a very special crowd. I think the fact that when you go to New York City, many times you see uh, Puerto Ricans and Dominicans don't speak Spanish. They really mm-hmm. embrace the the American culture, the New Yorker culture. But over here, it's not. They all speak Spanish. I think we're the only city where I think maybe we're I don't know the we're one of the only cities in the United States that white people are the minority. Oh really? So yeah, Spanish in Miami, Hispanics are like I think it might be a probably 70% more than Miami, right like the, the South. Yeah, it's like so huge, when you yeah. go to a place like New York where it's mostly white people, the 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 Latins over there get you know whitewashed or whatever you want to say, you know. But you come over here, and and that's why I love it here because the the Hispanic the Latin culture is so humble. The people yeah. come from third world country, come from third world countries, you know, and and um 
and yeah look uh, like i took um i went to the bcc before i went to fiu uh, mm-hmm. broad community college and i remember that i had uh, uh, a friend over there and it was puerto rican mm-hmm. and i was like all excited because for me puerto rican music oh, listen i i love it. and mm-hmm. i start telling him names of so he looked at me like i don't do that i don't do salsa and said okay but you speak spanish because i just started taking some spanish classes and said I don't speak Spanish. You look at Puerto me Ricans. Like, a lot of Puerto Ricans are like yes. That. And I said, "What do you mean? You, you should be happy. It's an awesome culture, man." You get, yes. um, but it was from New York, and then when you see that, but that doesn't happen here in Florida. Right. That's that's a thing. So we were able to learn, right? Because if you come in with broken Spanish at first, they'll go and they'll correct you, and they'll talk to you, and they'll be happy, and they'll they'll encourage you, right? They give us so right. much encouragement. So that's a, that's in a, a sense nice thing. because yeah. that's why I go to Colombia a lot because I I look at it as like my 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 midterm test because over here I'll try to, I'll speak Spanish and a lot of times they'll just speak back to me in English. Yeah. But if I no, go to, go to Hialeah, you should go to Hialeah. That, that happened oh. to me. I opened my office in Hialeah, and they just don't speak English, right? Mm-hmm. So they would be speaking to me in Spanish. So it's like, so it's like okay, good. So that's when I started speaking more. But but I see what you're saying. Yeah. Because they'll return back in uh, in English. Yeah. They, yeah. And it's crazy. Like, just learning a language when I was, like, you know, 27 or whatever. It Like, it's crazy that to, like, be able to hear songs that you grew up with and you know what they said. Now you know what they say. Mess up the songs. And there's so many different ways to, like, I think that it ruined my English a little bit, learning Spanish. Oh, and really? you notice why. <laughs> and you notice how certain things, like... Being bilingual is tough because you mix up certain things in certain languages. That's why I say anybody who makes fun of someone for their accent and you only speak one language, you have no right to do so. You yeah. can't make fun of no one's accent if you only speak one language. Well, I have a, I have a friend that uh, he told me that someone made fun of him because he only speak English. And I was kind of funny because I was like, well, how many languages do you speak? So the guy told him I speak two or three. She was like, oh, good. So is my landscaper. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Bro. Yeah. So is there anything else? Um, what are you working on now? Where's your mind at now? What's your head on now? I told you about one company. I have other uh, little projects, but um, I think that right now I, I don't have the big what. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very fast. I just got in. Timing it. is everything too. I mean, the yeah. worst thing to do is force something that you don't. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the what is gonna come, but uh, I enjoy. Like, I work every day. I do stuff every day, right? Mm-hmm. Managing money is also uh, something that you gotta get skilled at, and you have to get experience at. Um, and I'm involved in multiple private uh, companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, cool. Inv- uh, it's not a project because mm-hmm. I'm completely passive on this one. But mm-hmm. um, you know, when my previous, when I sold, I told my uh, my previous partner, I said, "Look, guys, tell me how I park my money. Said, Just give me something because that's what you guys are good at." So they said, well, we have this investment if you want to come in. It's really cool. And uh, it's a, a company that manufacture cans, like Coca-Cola cans, mm-hmm. right? They broke it down to me why everything is going to move to aluminum and cans because it's, it's actually recyclable versus plastic, that it's a waste. Mm-hmm. And say some states are about to ban any plastic, anything. Are there less toxins in aluminum? Like is there all that plastic and no plastic? Um, not as much as a plastic. Right, right, right. <laughs> I would imagine. Right, pick your poison, right? Uh, and you can recycle the aluminum. So the, the idea, so they wanted to, they had this kombucha company that they did very well and they sold it to PepsiCo for a couple hundred millions and they wanted to open another one. And that's when they found out that there is a problem now canning your, your drinks. And you have to stand in line and the, the fillers are just having those old machinery compared to, say, Coca-Cola that has their own machines that are fast, efficient, and all that. So you're kind of like at the bottom of the food chain in this one. And they said, why don't we just come up with our own manufacturing line for that? So they came up with that. And now we have the fastest line in the country. 
Um, manufacture cans. Just manufacturing cans, but we're sold already. It, it's a very predictable model where you're already sold for a couple of years. So year one, you gross 100 million with 30 million in profit. Mm-hmm. Year two, you already know where you're going to be because you get all the orders. Mm-hmm. It's 80 million in profit with uh, 200. So, and it's so fast because I thought, guys, it took me so long to get to those numbers in Maxitum. Yeah. This is a better investment. Yeah. Wow. It's like, it's just to show you that you can come up with a company that, Every, like Boxy Channel walk in and if you see a pretty girl or something like that or mm-hmm. girls, they would know the company because they're into makeup. Right. At least now. Maybe in years they're not going to be it's right. as popular, but now. And all that. And you have a company that grows a couple hundred millions and so many people know about it. It's great. Or you can come up with this B2B side business, business to business. No one knows, but it's going to be a billion dollar business and no one's going to know about it. Right. And in half of the time. So... There are other ways to skin a cat. And right, right. Yeah, so that's why, yeah. People say, people say the first million is the hardest to get to, then it gets easier after that. Is that so a fact? So true, so true. I can, I can divide my life the before and after the first million. Wow. I can, li- I mean, not my life, but uh, yeah. as an entrepreneur. What makes it easier? Just because you have more money to leverage? Is that, your head, is it? your head. Ah. Your head. Everything is in your head. Look, I, I, can't, I can't tell you how many hours I keep trying to go back in time and say, what made me the way I, I wasn't like that? I wasn't the same guy. What made me like this? What made me go? I was kind of comfortable in my first business for a while mm-hmm. until I had the first million. Mm-hmm. Literally. Mm-hmm. And like, what made me like this? Mm-hmm. Oh, I figured I, I started operating different. I, 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 my expectation for myself, there was... Everything changed, but I'm trying to go to the root of it, and I can't tell you that I completely found like where it. Where the flips, switch flip? I think I think there was uh, one particular thing that I'm I'm holding in right now, and I think that there was one conversation I had with someone. Mm-hmm. So I had uh, a competitor slash guy that I do business with slash a friend in Texas that had a semi liquidation type business, but much bigger, mm-hmm. and it was longer in business, but he had zero internet exposure. Unlike me, that I could sell anything online and bring mm-hmm. people from all over the world to buy it. But I remember that one time I spoke to him. I want to say it was around 08. Um, and I told him, we were talking about something. And he said, well, the way I'm making my millions is blah, blah, blah. And I told him, you mean you're grossing millions, but you're not actually making millions by the end of the year to mm-hmm. your pocket. He said, no, I do. And then he broke it down every year, how much he's making. And at that time, I was thinking hundreds of thousands. I wasn't thinking millions, right? And I said, and I wasn't even counting how much money I was making by the end of the year. I wasn't really thinking like that because I put everything back in operating capital. But he actually pulled money out. And I said, what the fuck? And I didn't understand why it affected me so much because after that day, everything changed in my company. And I said, and, and you could see it grow from a million to two to five to ten. Just and by then, seeing his... I, I, he was in Texas, not even seeing. And it just and then Boxycharm, it was easy for me to grow it to a hundred million very fast, to hundred. Right. But that that phone call made a difference, and I asked myself, but why? And I think that if you go and you show me right now, big billion Bill Gates and all, it's just far out. You you can't you don't even humanize those people. They're, you idolize them. Mm-hmm. It's just you're not thinking that you're in the same stratosphere. You're not. The conditions were not the same, right? So what happened is your subconscious. And your conscious, the way they communicate with each other, you, your conscious said, I want to go and do it. I can do it. Give me some motivation. Your subconscious is what gives you the motivation. Mm-hmm. You're getting no motivation because I'm protecting you from a failure. You did good up until now. Keep on doing what you did up until now. Okay, mm-hmm. keep selling on eBay. Keep on. 
But why I can go? No, keep doing that. No motivation for that. So you don't do it. No motivation to change. Like to change, right? To change, right? Because you idolize them. But in his case, I was was doing business with him every day. I knew that he has nothing on me. Just because he's been a couple of years before, he's a dinosaur. I have websites. I get people from all over the world coming. I have the same contracts like him. Why? And he's making that much? I knew he grew gross, but I didn't really think, I didn't think about it. But why did I change when he said that? It's because I humanized him. He's doing what I'm doing and nothing better than what I'm doing. He's no, so this, and he's doing it in my industry. It's mm-hmm. not like he can create some SaaS that I know nothing about. That's a different space. Right. It's my space. It's my natural habitat. And it's the same exact type animal. And that's when so that I got all the motivation. kind of just removed all your doubts. It kind of you removed the doubts. Here's all the my subconscious said you wanted motivation, and now I agree. You're correct. Here it is, all the motivation. And yeah, I, you realize there's no secrets. The, it's just, the, he's a human. Just just do what you're like. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. And then that, then I needed that that. Now I can go and show you a bunch of tactical reasons where I grew here and there, where someone came and gave me an idea, and I said, "Oh shit, I didn't think about it." Oh shit, all those little things that are important. Mm-hmm. that are instrumental, but still there was some kind of uh, a wall that I couldn't pass until I saw that. But then that wall broke it from a million to 500 million. Mm-hmm. That wall, everything moved. Hmm. So Interesting, bro. Yeah. Plug your social media for everybody, your Instagram and anything you want to promote where they can follow you. Um, YFL Martin. YFL Martin, there it is. Um, I appreciate you coming through, bro. Problem, brother. Love, brother. Ah, um, bro, we one of these days, let's go to Tipico and hear some salsa vamos, and stuff. Vamos, bro, a un, yeah. vamos a hacer una noche de salsa. ¿Tú bailas salsa bien? Sí, está limitado. Mi bachata está mejor, pero salsa es... ¿Baila bachata mejor? Sí. ¿Eres un tigre? ¿No hablamos de un cubano aquí? No. No, de las cubanas me dolió, bro, porque... Tengo una historia, pero... ¿Sí? Yeah, te voy, a, te voy a decir in uh, off air. <laughs> but, uh, okay. But yeah, but appreciate you, brother. Ah, man. Same here, man. It is. <laughs>